There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 170. And today in the show, we're back with another Rut Radio episode, in which we're getting real-time updates from hunters across the country on current deer behavior, activity, and the tactics that are working right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear. And we're back today with this week's installment of our Rut Radio series. And for those new to the show, each week during the deer hunting season, we're going to be publishing a new Rut Radio episode in which we're checking in with deer hunters across the country for real-time updates on what's going on in the field, how deer are behaving, what kind of activity and conditions we're seeing, and what tactics are or aren't working right now. So it is Monday, September 25th, 2017, as we're recording this. And with me is our producer and the host of Rut Radio, Spencer Newharth. And Spencer, tell me this. How pumped are you for your hunt that's coming up here in like a day or two in South Dakota? I am very excited um, and one of the big reasons is because it got pushed back. I had planned to go out for our opener, which was on Saturday the 23rd, but uh, the weather just looked pretty nasty for what I was looking to do, and I was going to backpack in, and I was going to be tenting it and, and staying out there for like a week, but um, a lot of rain and a lot of wind and cooler temperatures kept me from going out there, so I'm going to take off after we finish recording. But in some areas out there, like a half hour from... Where I plan to be hunting, they were getting snow yesterday. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't think there's too many whitetail hunters right now that are hunting in snow, and and so I uh, decided I didn't want to be either. I'm not a badass like Dan Johnson, so I... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. That's good. Um, so so uh, this sounds like a pretty awesome hunt, though, backpacking in and everything. What are the conditions going to be like You know, now that you, you waited out the worst of the weather? What are you expecting to have over the course of this week hunt? 
it is pretty mild. Um, when I talk to some of the other people in the podcast, there's a couple extremes of cold and hot across the country right now, but this will be pretty mild in highs in like the low seventies, lows in the forties. Um, so it'll be good, um, weather for the end of September, um, at least as good as you could ask for this time of year. Cool. And what do you, we didn't really talk about this last week on Wired Hunt, but what's like your goal? Are you, you know, are you just going to shoot the first buck you can get a shot at, or are you looking for a certain age or type or anything like that? Um, so in South Dakota, we are pretty liberal with our deer tags. Um, so I can hunt on the east side of the river and the west side of the river with an archery tag. Now I don't get to the west very often, and this could very well be my only trip out there this year. And with that, this is a piece of ground never hunted before. I've never seen in person even. So I will likely not be picky. I don't have very high standards or very high expectations. So if a two and a half year old comes by, um, I will definitely take him. Yeah, well, I'm heck, a public land hunt, this kind of deal, um, plus it being a brand new place. I think you know, being able to shoot a two and a half year old or older, anything like that is 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 quite an achievement. So I'd be, I'd be right there with you. Yeah. Now, in in your hunt in Montana, Mark, this feels kind of similar because it's hunting whitetails and what's you know typically thought of as mule deer country. You probably felt a similar sense of urgency as me in that you're there for a short period of time, and so you would be a little more aggressive. And with that, were you hunting mornings at all when you were there? And if so, what did you see? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because, you know, usually 99% of the time I don't hunt mornings in the early season. But just like you mentioned, because of the very short amount of time I had, um, I decided, that, yeah, I was going to hunt mornings. So I saw pretty good pretty good movement. Um, you know, I got in there. I tried to make sure I was in there between a half an hour and an hour before daylight. Um, just to make sure that, you know, the chances of spooking something on my way in were as low as possible. And I tried to make sure that my route in there wasn't going to be going close to food sources. So, so I think I achieved that because a couple of the mornings that I was in this little good piece of landlocked public, I found, I saw a lot of activity that lasted for probably at least an hour and a half after daylight for that first, like, you know, 90 minutes of daylight, a lot of deer moving through, including, you know, potentially mature bucks. I mean like two to three year old type bucks. Um, I don't think I ever saw anything older than three, but there were a couple of those like bucks. I was like, ah, that could be a three year old, um, that were rolling through, you know, an hour after daylight right through, you know, the relatively secluded, but, but somewhat open too. So I think if you've got a situation like that, you could be seeing that movement. And this was the conditions that were present, you know, were super hot. It was like 95 degree highs. So in the morning, you know, it was, that was the coolest part of the day. Um, but we're still not talking really cold. I mean, it was probably in the upper 60s or something, you know, early in the morning. Um, and we did see good, good activity. So it might be, it might be similar for you there in South Dakota. But I know, you know, I do think if I had continued to do that day after day after day after day for like seven days or something. I imagine that pressure would have changed things. Eventually, I would have started educating deer, getting in and out. Um, but for like the four days that I did do that, um, it worked out okay. Well, that'll definitely be a, a unique, fun part of this hunt. Because like you said, that's uh, not a typical setup that that guys who are really into whitetails will do at the end of September. But I'm looking forward to those morning sits right now. Yeah, it's it's nice to watch the world wake up. That's for sure. So um, I know you've got a whole slate of people we're going to be hearing from, from across the country, but I kind of might, if you're, well, 
you you host the Rut Radio, Spencer, so you can give me permission or not, whether or not you want to hear about this, but are you interested in what's coming for Michigan? Because our opening day comes up this weekend. Um, this, this Sunday, October 1st, is opening day in Michigan, so this will be the last what, Rut Radio episode for people to listen to before that. Um, do you have anyone from Michigan already talking about what's coming, or, or should I touch on that? I, I don't have you on yet, so Mark, you have permission to be our Michigan contact this week. <laughs> All right. Well, then here's what's coming down the road. It's been really, really hot. We've had like crazy high temperatures over the past week, up until like the mid-90s, even this past weekend. And that hot weather is continuing through Wednesday. And then Wednesday, the beginnings of a cool front is hitting. And we're going to drop from like mid to high 80s down into like the 70s on Wednesday and then down to like the low 60s, at least for me, down in southern Michigan. Um, low 60s from Thursday all the way through Monday. So that opening day on Sunday, we're going to have pretty decent temperatures. It's looking like highs only up into like the mid 60s, so like 20 degrees lower than it was, you know, just a couple days beforehand. Um, lows down to the 40s. So. I think that's going to be a good thing for bow hunters out there. You know, in a perfect world, I would have liked to see opening day, you know, open up like the day after the front, not three or four days after the front, but it's certainly better than 85 degrees. So I think Sunday's going to be a good day to be in the woods. Monday, it's going to be um, decent temperatures as well, but rain down by us. And I, I've always believed that some light rain, scattered rain can be really good for deer activity when you're in an area that you know, maybe has a lot of hunting pressure like Michigan. For whatever reason, that just seems to make deer, especially mature bucks from my experience, um, seem to be a little more active and on their feet. So I'm going to be out there on Monday as well. Um, and I'm stoked. Really excited to get out. Well, what you talked about there, Mark, sounds a lot like uh, what I heard this week from my contacts. From north to south and east to west, uh, it's all been about the weather. And we start off with Trent Siegel in Kansas from Heartland Bowhunter. Then we go to Kentucky with Josh Smith of Wild Carrot Sense. And then we have Levi Meidinger of Powder River Outfitters in Montana. And we end with Bo Martonic of the Journal of Mountain Hunting in Pennsylvania. And they all talked about the weather. Um, Kentucky, Kansas, Pennsylvania, it's been a scorcher lately. Uh, and then Montana is just at the beginning of that front that we were talking about, um, where Levi talks about that colder weather making a big difference in their deer activity. And uh, as far as the other states, like Trent and Josh actually gave you know specific dates. They're looking at this cold front, how it starts on Thursday in their areas, and, and they're very excited for this weekend of hunting. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, let's stop beating around the bush, and, and maybe we should get right to it, huh? Will do. I'll talk to you next week, Mark. Sounds good. Good luck in South Dakota. Before we get to our first update, though, let's pause for a moment to thank our sponsors at Sitka Gear. And for this week's Sitka story, we're joined by Sitka Ambassador Jess DeLorenzo, who tells us about punching her archery antelope tag for the second straight year. So this year, I went out to Montana again uh, with my good friend Amanda Caldwell, and we were trying for two years in a row to get our archery antelope tags punched, and we uh, headed out together and camped out some nights. We did lots of, put on lots of stalks, some unsuccessful, some completely interrupted by things out of our control. One time I was stalking a herd with a coyote and I didn't even know about it and we both busted them at the same time. Um, and we continued to put on stalk after stalk after stalk. And finally, we found a really great spot where we could kind of inch up along the side of the field with some overgrown grass. Um, Amanda was doing ranges for me, and as soon as 
the uh, biggest buck got out on the end. She gave me a range, and he was at 70 yards. I settled my pin, and we were able to get a good shot off on him. Um, once we got him back and field dressed and all that, we spent the rest of the time trying to get Amanda one as well. Um, unfortunately, we just didn't have enough time, so hopefully maybe next year we'll go out for our third annual girls hunt and uh, get her tag punched together. So it was really nice to be able to do it two times in a row. On Jess's hunt, she was wearing Sika subalpine women's big game gear. If you'd like to create a Sika story of your own or to learn more about Sika's technical hunting apparel, visit SitkaGear.com. All right, and joining us on the line first this week is Trent Siegel of Kansas, a host of Heartland Bowhunter. Now, Trent, in Kansas, what would you say the buck activity has been on a scale of 1 to 10 lately? This past week, it's been pretty low. Uh, I'd say, like, the tour, it's been extremely hot, 90-degree temps, and um, beans are starting to change, and so it's just uh, cameras have slowed down. It's It hasn't been very good for daylight activity, that's for sure. And so with that heat wave you guys have had, uh, do you think the deer have been changing patterns, or they're on the same patterns, they're just moving in dark more? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. Um, I think some of it is, the change in the length of the day is causing them to change some patterns a little bit, but definitely the heat we've had, uh, the low temperatures in the upper seventies this past week and the highs have been up in the upper nineties. So it's definitely caused them to, to be moving a lot more at night. All right. Well, we're going to back it up a little bit here. I know Kansas had an unusually early opener this year, like September 11th. Now, did you get a chance to take advantage of that down there? And if so, what was the deer activity like then? Yeah, um, I didn't personally get out and hunt myself that first week. I I have been running some cameras and and kept scouting. And um, it was warm. Uh, Again, it was like upper 80s temperatures that opening week. And I did have a couple nice uh, bucks on camera that opening week, right at, at last light, like last legal light where, um, probably could have hunted them. But, um, again, it's just, I don't know. There's something about hunting the rut here in Kansas that, uh, I kind of missed it last year, shooting a buck in early October and trying to hold out a little bit, um, to get out there and see that rut activity again, something that we all dream of and, and look forward to all year long. You just talked about trail cameras there for a little bit. Um, where are your cameras placed at right now, and are those going to start changing where you put them uh, as soon as we hit October here? Yeah, so throughout the summer, I've had them mostly on soybeans um, and mineral sites. Um, but just this last week, uh, with the heat, they've slowed down so much, and the beans are changing here. Um, they're starting to cut corn. I've I've been moving, actually I moved a bunch today um, on scrapes and mock scrapes. Uh, starting to see a lot more of that activity um, here in the last week or so where bucks are laying down scrapes and seeing some rubs show up. So um, that's definitely where I, I start focusing my cameras for the next month, month and a half, basically, and try to figure out some patterns on them. Now, what does an early season setup look like for you, Trent, hunting in Kansas at the end of September? Well, for me, it's weather dependent and and kind of camera dependent. I mean, I really rely on my trail cameras to to scout for me. So um, if they're telling me that, you know, some deer 
using an area um, or hitting a scrape line or something like that late September, um, and there's a deer that I want to hunt and it's it's out there, then definitely I'll I'll go after it. Um, next week we do have a, a big weather front coming in tomorrow night. Uh, the high today is like 90 here, and then the high Tuesday is like 68 or something like that. So huge weather fronts coming. Um, I I have set some stands and, and some hay bale lines up the past couple of days, getting ready to to maybe make some moves on some bucks next week if if everything works out. So probably check some cameras on Wednesday midday and see see what's going on, and maybe try to get out late next week with with those weather fronts coming. Well, it sounds like you're optimistic going forward, but what would you say the deer activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Kansas over this next week or so? I I think it's going to be good personally. I mean, with it being so bad the past week, I I think it can only get better. I I think it's going to be like a seven or eight with the cooler temps. I think they're going to really flip a switch uh, from this past week and and be be moving a lot and in daylight with cornfields are being cut so that's always a good um good place to get out there right after that corn comes out deer trying to pick that what the combine missed so it's i think it's going to be really good well good luck going forward trent and i know that you're uh deadly down there no matter what time of year it is so look forward to hearing from you yeah thank you very much Mister. good to talk to you too man and joining us on the line next is josh smith the founder of wild carrot sense now, Josh, in Kentucky, what would you say the deer activity has been on a scale of 1 to 10 lately? Well, if you had to average um, uh, that group of time, I'd say it's probably been a 5. Uh, but we've had uh, significant activity coming in the last hour and a half or two hours of daylight, and that's pretty much where all of it's taken place. Um, it's been, like, excruciatingly hot to be sitting in a stand, um, and I can't imagine what it would be like to be out there covered with fur. So I don't think there's been a lot of movement going on, uh, definitely not in our experience. Um, in the earlier hours of the day, uh, nothing until, you know, evening hours. So that movement that you are seeing, uh, where is that taking place? In, in bean fields or in the timber? Where at? Well, uh, we've seen a lot of activity in the bean fields. Our, our property um, has significant ag on it, a lot of soybeans, um, and we're getting a lot of deer coming out into the beans and we've got some that are still green and some that are brown and some that are yellow. It just kind of depends on uh, where on the property the fields are located. We've got about a hundred foot or so elevation change um, from top to bottom with the lower portion having a bean field that's basically surrounded by a creek. So it's uh, still quite green and they're tearing it up. And then on uh, the upper portion of the farm, it's it's a lot of brown beans just from getting scorched out by the sun, and and they're uh, getting in there pretty good as well. Well, Josh, you own a scent company, and this time of year, it seems like not many people would be using any kind of urine or attractant or anything like that. Um, are you using anything like that early season like this when it's hot out and uh, there's no rutting activity going on yet? Yeah, we are. Um We've been really uh, researching and, and and just kind of spending as much time in the woods as we can, just uh, observing how things are responding to our products before we launched, if we're just launching this year. Um, so we've been using a lot of basic buck, just regular buck and doe urine um, early season, and it 
in our experience, it really seems to comfort the deer around us. Like, for instance, last night I sat in the stand and it was 94 degrees and I was, you know, like a quarter mile hike into there and just sweat rolling off of me. And I wasn't really anticipating much because I didn't have a great wind where I was sitting and it was just so hot. Um, but I did drag in a, a buck and a doe lure and hung them on a tree right down from my stand about Lincoln branch height. And I had 18 deer come within 25 yards, and none of them spooked at my scent. Um, several of them came up and were sniffing around uh, lures, but not one of them ever spooked. I actually had a buck come in and lay down about 15 yards out in the beans and just sit there for about an hour. I got some good video of him, so that was pretty cool. And will your scent game change uh, anytime soon, or will you kind of do that all the way through uh, until pre-rut hits us? We'll probably do that all the way through until uh, pre-rut hits, but I, I really don't know. Uh, to be honest, we're trying some different things right now because I actually had, um, well, we had a couple of bucks, uh, two different set couples of bucks that were kind of fighting a little bit, just kind of sparring like that early rut type activity, which is way too soon for that, I think. But they were obviously doing it, so uh, I don't know, you know, what's causing that. I think it's maybe just practicing for the big game type of thing, but um, we're going to definitely be using regular buck and doe just to keep that comfort level high among the herd so that they're smelling recent travel from deer and not smelling us. Um, but, yeah, as the rut approaches, we have, we'll have we be using asterisk doe and rutting buck for sure. Uh, we've had great luck with those in the past, just using them amongst ourselves. Now, going forward in this next week or so, Josh, what do you think the buck activity will be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Kentucky? Well, I really have high hopes for this upcoming week. I think I think we're going to have a lot of activity, really, on a scale of 1 to 10. I'd put it at about a 7 or an 8 as far as, you know, with, with peak being a 10, um, just because we're going to have about a 20-degree drop. And uh, I, I really can't wait for that because we've had such – good activity now i'm really excited to see what goes on i think about thursday this upcoming week is when when the drop's supposed to start so we'll see what happens all right josh well i hope you get a chance to take advantage of that cooler weather and good luck oh man thanks a lot and thanks for the invite i appreciate it before we get to our third update though let's pause for a moment to thank our sponsors at whitetail properties we are joined by justin mason a land specialist out of kentucky and Justin is going to be telling us about his approach to hunting early October in the Midwest. You know, I think uh, my philosophy in October is uh, if you don't know, don't hunt. So um, if I haven't had an opportunity to scout much, the first thing I'm going to rely on are trail cameras. Seems like as bucks go from August to September into October, they're transitioning from their bachelor groups and their summer patterns being primarily on, you know, soybeans, uh, key food sources, and they're starting to change back into their fall patterns. They kind of disperse from one another and establish new ground. So I really rely heavily on trail cameras just to tell me if a buck has shifted from summer to fall, and usually that starts to happen in October. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Justin currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash mason. That's M-A- S-O-N. All right, and joining us on the line next is Levi Meidinger of Montana, who is the head guide at Powder River Outfitters. Now, Levi, in Montana, what would you say the deer activity has been on a scale of 1 to 10 lately? 
um, lately with these, uh, these rains and these weather fronts coming in, it's been, you know, it's been probably a six or seven. I wouldn't call it a 10 just because, you know, it's getting around, but, uh, it really has put the, the deer back on their feet. Um, earlier on, we were in that really big drought. So it was, you know, the deer were, were moving real late. Um, now they're with these rains and stuff, they're, they're kind of feeding all day. So it's been really, really good. Now, when you say feeding all day, uh, where do you see those deer hitting right now for food sources? And has that changed in the last couple of weeks or not? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, typically them whitetails will, you know, they'll feed at night, um, and then go to bed, especially when it's warm. Um, but these rains and this like dreary overcasted days, um, and two, where some of the farming in between these storms where you're getting these, these hay meadows cut, um, we've had some cornfields that have been cut. And now with these colder days, it's putting these deer, you know, back on their feet. Um, they're trying to, you know, to sustain and be warm, you know, so they're out, they're out feeding, you know, during the day. Um, I had a deer the other day at four o'clock in the afternoon that was probably a 160 inch whitetail. And he was out at four o'clock you know, browsing, which is, is really uncommon this time of year where they're going, you know, then bigger deer are usually going nocturnal. So. Well, I've seen on the powder river Facebook page that you guys have had like seven kills in the last week or so. And, and that's incredible. But what does a typical setup look like on those hunts? Are you hunting any mornings yet, or is it strictly evenings and strictly food sources? That's, you know, that's a typical thing. Like what we do here is it's strictly afternoon. Um, you know, these whitetails, you try to hunt the, the morning sets where you're going through the bedding area or you're trying to get into, you know, through where they're going. It just puts that aspect of human, you know, human in there and it really ruins these sets. So we like to hunt them afternoon sets, um, of course, early on food source, but now we're getting later, you know, we even, we push the bed just a little bit where you're catching them than bigger, more mature deer, you know, you know, later because they're moving later. But with these, well, like I said, with these storms, we've, we've not had so much of that problem where we're still, you know, we're killing off field edges still. Well, would you say that the buck movement then is um, unique this time of year at, at late September versus other years? Or is this what you'd expect to see in late September? No, this wouldn't be what I would expect to see. This is kind of an odd year because... I guess maybe the drought affected it early and then with this colder weather coming in, but usually these, especially these bigger mature deer, you know, they're, they're dang near to where they're nocturnal, where, you know, you're, you're only able to get them right on the edge of that, that bedding area. And so, yeah, it's, it's above, you know, kind of an odd year as far as for it. Well, going forward in the next week or so in Montana, what do you think the deer activity will be on a scale of one to 10? I think, you know, it would probably stay, it's going to stay average, I'd say about a five or a six. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell right now with just because we're still getting this rain, which has been good for us as far as keeping them deer up. But if it decides to, you know, change and warm up, you know, it could change that pattern. I mean, all of us know as it gets later like this, the bigger deer, you know, not till rut do they, they really, really show their show their you know themselves into the shooting light period so i would say it's probably going to stay about a five or a six right there all right levi well thanks for joining me 
and uh, good luck the rest of the fall, and I'll look forward to seeing more pictures from Powder River. All right, thanks, man. All right, and joining us on the line last is Bo Martonic of Pennsylvania, who is a field editor with the Journal of Mountain Hunting. Now, Bo, in Pennsylvania there, what would you say the deer activity has been on a scale of 1 to 10? Honestly, with the, the hot weather that we've been having uh, recently, I, I would say it's around a 4. Personally, it would be off of scouting and, and trail cam activity, with the reason being in Pennsylvania, for, for most of the state, the season hasn't opened yet. It will open this Saturday, uh, September 30th. But uh, in the area I live in currently, in southwestern Pennsylvania, they're around the Pittsburgh area. It opened a couple weekends ago. And although I haven't been out in the tree um, after being on an elk hunt out west, um, everyone I've talked to that's come into the archery shop I work at and everything is, is that it's been extremely slow. And uh, a lot of hot weather, I think, has been um, part of that. So. Now, have you had any reports of EHD in that area or anything previously that's going to change your plans for fall? Yeah, it won't it won't affect me as much, uh, but in, in this area, EHD has has seemed to hit a lot of a lot of the customers at the at the bow shop have came in and showed pictures of dead deer they found at water sources, and there's also been some some news articles in the in the local media talking about an EHD sweep through Washington in Allegheny counties and, and even in the Beaver County here in southwestern Pennsylvania. But where I, where I personally hunt in uh, north central Pennsylvania, it won't it shouldn't affect me too much. So when you do get a chance to get out, Bo, what is one of your typical setups look like right now? Um, as far as rate for, I'll talk a little bit about uh, early season here as far as what I'm going to be doing for the opener. Because of where I normally hunt in the big woods setting. There's no food plots or anything like that. Uh, even in the area I, I hunt, there's limited oak trees. So I'll be focusing on apple trees. Um, that'll be the, the main focus here uh, early in the season. And uh, also a, a big crop that's in, in specific to north central Pennsylvania is cherry trees. So these cherry trees produce black cherries and from what I've noticed this year, there's only been small areas and small batches that have produced these little black cherries, and the deer love them. Trail cameras are showing that they're uh, they're they're feeding in these areas quite a bit. Well, Bo, living in Pittsburgh, do you have any contacts that do any hunting uh, in city limits, or do you yourself do any urban hunting? I don't personally. Uh, I haven't uh, received any permission yet to hunt some of these small plots of, of land inside the, the city limits, but I've talked to a lot of guys that, that do do that and do do it regularly with success. And um, recently it's been, they haven't had any luck yet early in the year where, where normal, it, it takes some pretty extreme weather to, uh, to screw up some of those hunting situations. But uh, so far it's been, been too hot and not a lot of deer moving not a lot of sightings so do you hear that their season progresses kind of similar to yours as far as um, the deer activity and, and the rut patterns or is it very different than what you see it, it depends there's uh it seems like they have a little bit more success earlier in the season than, than i typically do as far as um hunting a big wood setting versus uh more urban hunting they, once you get any kind of cold fronts, it seems like in the, in the urban settings that they're moving a lot more. And since they're in such a smaller, concentrated area, the sightings and the close encounters seem to amplify 
where in uh, the big woods setting, it's it's still unless you're extremely close to the to the bedding areas, you're not seeing too much movement until uh, mostly the latter part of October. It starts to heat up. There seems to be a good good swing there. Now, going forward in Pennsylvania, what do you think the deer activity is going to be in this next week or so on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, looking at the, the weather, we are supposed to get a little bit cooler weather here coming up for the, for the opener. So I'm hoping that's going to jump things up, but I don't see it, I don't see it uh, spiking in uh, any way. I, I would still say no, no better than a 6. All right, Ball. Well, good luck, and I, I hope that colder weather comes. Hey, thanks. Good luck to you, Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired Hunts Rut Radio. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Sitka, Whitetail Properties, Matthews, Yeti, Whitetail Institute, Maven, Trophy Ridge, and Hontero. And we thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next week, and as always, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.